I want to restore your joy for that door right there (laughs) and explain to you that I'm left-handed. And so all the time I thought that I was pointing to my left, uh, well it was, I thought I was, see here it is, there it is. I, I thought that was the heaven door. So feel free to go out that door tonight and every other time. We did have people going out this door this morning, so. Tonight's subject is somewhat connected to a great presentation that we had in the last hour. It was our privilege, and is our privilege, to have Brother Darrell Wallace and his wife here with us. He spoke to us about an hour ago on the World English Institute. It is a great opportunity, perhaps one that is not as familiar to us. There are people all over the world, if I remember, I wrote it down and didn't commit it to memory, that there have been 435 individual studies that have been done with people in 200 nations around the world. But World English Institute is set up in such a way that you don't have to be an English scholar, and you don't have to be a biblical scholar in order to uh, engage students. Literally, you can pick the country, you can pick the gender, and you can uh, connect with them, and you can help them to learn to study Uh, to learn the English language, but that as a tool to introduce them to the Bible. What you you have the opportunity to do is to spread seed. And And the Bible tells us that God is going to bless us with results. The more we scatter seed, the more they're going to be that hear that and are going to be in that uh, condition of heart. In Luke 8 and verse 15, that's a good and honest heart and will respond to that. Who knows? But if you engage in that and you study with students from around the world that someday when you are in heaven, you may be walking up to someone who you introduced the gospel to whose face you never saw on this side of time. There are brochures on the Welcome Center and uh, please feel free to to pick those up. I know we'll be saying more about this. Um, The opportunity to be able to what we would call low fruit evangelism. To be able to engage in that And I believe it builds our knowledge, it builds our boldness, and our desire to want to share the gospel. So we're indebted to them and so grateful for what we hope will be some great opportunities for us to come. Yes? 435,000 Bible studies. All right. So I had that number, but I maybe didn't apply it right. Okay. So it's even better than I said. So if you want to be a part of that, and I, I encourage you to. Uh, Talk more to Daryl while he's here. He's the one that just spoke over there. Had the opportunity to go to Cambodia on several occasions. And the last time that I was there a few years ago, I was impressed. I couldn't believe the number of young people that were over in that country and trying to learn more about the Buddhist religion. My son and I were waiting to board a flight from Sim Reap and there was a young woman who was there And she described the spiritual search that she was in the midst of, the journey that she was on. She talked about how that she was so depressed by and turned off by the materialism among her friends and in our culture. She said that she would observe her friends and they would be unhappy and so they would buy a pair of shoes trying to fill a void and that would work for a while and then the unhappiness would return. And so she was looking for something deeper, something more profound. And so she had spent the last two weeks of her life in a Buddhist temple. 
And as a part of that, she had spent 10 days in a vow of silence in which she worked on her meditation and her proper breathing. She felt like she could find in Buddhism what she could not find in religion in Western culture. There was a young man from North Carolina that we first met on a basketball court and then later we met him downtown. And he had described what was going on in his life. He said that he had come to Cambodia for the express purpose of converting to Buddhism. He had said that he had reached out to people around him in his sphere of influence and he tried to get satisfactory answers to the purpose and the meaning of life and he said that nobody could give him the answers in what he referred to as Christianity. The more we talked with him, the more apparent it was to me that what he thought that he was getting from the Bible was really diluted. It was a perverted version of Christianity. It was religious error. It was denominationalism. But I suppose it's possible that he could have met those who were members of the New Testament church who were poorly reflecting Jesus Christ. But they reflect a growing number of people in our world and in our culture who are searching for meaning and for purpose and they think that they can find it in Eastern mysticism or they can find it in Buddhism or a like religion. They think that it's deep, it's peaceful, it's different and it's mysterious. But I suggest that there are so many who have not looked in the right place for the answers. And I also think that there are those that if they were to look in the right place, they would not like what they found. But that does not offset the truth that there are a great many people out there who are searching for something. You know, the Bible tells us that that's not a new phenomenon, that that's been going on all the way back to Bible times. The Bible tells us about those in the New Testament that were seeking for something, and the something that they sought may have answered some things, but probably did not answer anything of significance. For example, the Apostle Paul says that there are some who seek the acceptance of men. Galatians chapter 1 and verse 10. That life is all about the popularity and the pure acceptance of others. And if you have that, that's all you need in life. And of course the Apostle Paul to the Colossians says in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 2 that there were those who were seeking the things of this earth. Their idea was that this material system that makes up the world in which we find ourselves, that that's all that there is. And so I'm going to get what I can while I can as long as I'm here in this life. But there were also those that were seeking to find the answer in the matter of or the idea of what's not known, that mystical. You think about the Athenians, and the Athenians were those who were searching everywhere, and it was the pursuit of the answer that was as much of a sport for them as the finding of the answer. They looked everywhere, Acts 17, verse 22 and 23. But Jesus tells us that the Samaritan woman was also in that category because she and her fellow citizens were those who were looking for what they did not know. They worshipped what they didn't know. John chapter 4 and verse 22. And so all of these seem to symbolize for us those who we are in contact with and that live in our world with us who are seeking for something. The Apostle Paul writes in one of the most cosmopolitan cities in the world. People from all over the world were passing through there all the time. It was 40 miles west of Athens in the place of Corinth. And the Apostle Paul says that the preaching of the cross is foolishness to them that perish. But to us who are saved, it is the power of God. 
For the Jews seek a sign and the Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. But to us who are saved, Jews and Greek, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is stronger, uh, wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. In that great text, in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 18 through 25, I want us to make just three brief observations and this lesson will be yours. Because whether we're talking about Zen, Eastern mysticism, Buddhism, or any other religious system or idea, these same principles apply. The first thing that I want us to notice in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, in verse 22, is that people are seeking. When you look at verse 22, the Apostle Paul tells us what they were seeking for. And while they weren't necessarily looking in the right place, they were searching. And the Apostle Paul breaks it down into two categories. He indicates to us that the Jews were seeking a sign. They knew better. They had the Old Testament scriptures. And so they were looking for an answer. But they did not want it in the Jesus that was among them. They wanted an earthly power. They wanted a military mogul. They wanted someone who would deliver them in a material sense. And so they were seeking after some sign that would point them to what they were looking for in this life. The Apostle Paul says that the Greeks seek after wisdom. And the wisdom that they were seeking for was the controlling knowledge of this world. It was the answer to life's biggest questions. And so they were always on the hunt. They were seeking for an answer. But the fact that they were finding the wrong thing did not negate the idea that they were seeking. When we look into our world today, we see that people are searching for an answer. And while they uh, are looking for answers in the wrong places, it does not negate the curiosity that is out there. As we sat and we listened in the report that was made a moment ago, the idea that there were 14,000 plus uh, students that were being studied with in this past year from all over the world indicates that there are people in every kind of a culture. When it was broken down, 43% of those who professed themselves to be Christians were seeking answers, looking out there for someone to guide them in a way of greater knowledge. 31.2% were in the Islam uh, faith. Over 50 nations were represented of those who were seeking for the answer. They didn't even believe that Jesus was the Son of God, but with the prompting and teaching, they're introduced to that idea. And I mentioned Buddhism, over 9% were of such a persuasion who were seeking. In Hindu, 7.7%, others 5.2%, those who were nuns, 3.7%, those in the Jewish world, 0.1%. You've got people literally all over the globe who are seeking and searching. When we go out into our city that's so international in its flavor, we realize that there are people everywhere. Every place I've ever been in this world is filled with people who are searching for the answers. The second thing that the Apostle Paul indicates to us is that many who seek do not want to find. You know, there are those who don't believe that there is one answer. There are those who are searching, but they're wanting to find truth for themselves in the way that they want to do. They want to meet God on their terms. 
And that's exactly what the Apostle Paul says with regard to those who were in his audience, among those in the Corinthians. He says that the Jews were those who, for, for whom Christ was a stumbling block. That's the word scandalon in the original language. It's the idea of a trap. It's the bait in which an animal, in taking the bait, has the trap close on them. I don't know if you've ever watched the series alone and you see the various means by which they are trying to trap animals and they'll have snares or they'll have systems where in in one particular occasion where there were stones that were set up with sticks and the animal would come and trip that and it would trap the animal. That's the idea of what the Apostle Paul is talking about. And when it came to Jesus, Jesus was a trap for them. Because they wanted happiness in the here and now. And the message of Jesus that was preached to them defied the very thing that they were looking for in Christ. But then there were the Gentiles. And the Gentiles, for them, Jesus Christ was foolishness. That's the word moeria. It's nonsense. It's silly talk. And so as they sought Jesus on their own terms, it did not conform to their thoughts of wisdom. When it comes to those who are seeking today, many don't want the Jesus that's presented in Scripture. They have a preconceived idea and notion of what it means to serve and to follow Jesus. And if it challenges that, or if it calls for meaningful change in their life, then they're going to reject that. Jesus tells us that that's the case. When he speaks of those uh, those on Mars Hill in Athens in Acts chapter 17, verse 26, he says, For of one blood he has made every nation of men, for to dwell on the face of the earth. And he has determined aforehand their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitations, that they might seek after him and grope for him and find him, though he's not far from every one of us. The Apostle Paul tells us that we are made to search. And number two, that he has made this world so that we would search. And number three, that if we search, we will find. But the problem for the majority is that they don't want to find what the Bible calls for. In Luke chapter 9 and verse 23, Jesus tells us about the cost of discipleship. And he says that that if any man will come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. And so we come confronted with the fact that as we scatter seed and as we find the people that are searching, not everybody who is searching wants to find. The third observation I would make with you is that the called will find. Now who are the called? Jesus says, but those of us who are called, both Jew and Greek, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Now the word that's translated there is an indication of those who receive an invitation, but it is implied in this particular invitation in the context that those who are invited accept the invitation that is given to them. There are some tragedies in life. The first tragedy is that there are those who never hear the invitation of Christ. When we think about the opportunity that was presented to us, what we have is people who maybe have some interest in the Bible. They have a greater interest perhaps in the English language. But before that particular time, they have never been exposed to the the invitation of Jesus Christ. And so there's a world out there and we want to reach them any way that we can of those who have never heard the call of Christ. 
But there's a second category out there, and that is of those who have heard a false or distorted invitation from Christ. They have heard a different gospel than that which was delivered. Galatians 1, verse 6 through 9. And so they never have an opportunity to hear the truth. The greatest tragedy of all is those who do hear the invitation of Christ and know the way that God wants them to go and refuse that. But what our Lord says and what Luke read to us so well a moment ago is that those who seek, find, those that ask, receive. God opens the door to those who are looking. I believe that if someone is tenacious enough in their pursuit of truth that God is not going to allow them to miss the truth, they're going to find that because they will not give up until they have received the truth. You know, if you have heard the invitation of Christ and you have accepted it, you're in that minority of people that are no longer out there groping and searching for truth. You know, there are some people who will spend their entire life on the next step of the journey hoping that it's going to lead them exactly where God wants them to go. The Apostle Paul says that those who seek find. The called are going to find it. When we think about the opportunities that God gives us, I'm so grateful that there are means and ways that he has given to us to reach out to those who are seeking Now as we go out into our work week and we go to school this week, there are going to be those who are seeking. We're going to have the opportunity to share with them face to face the gospel of Christ. Or we have more remote means whereby there are those who maybe through the anonymity of the internet will reach out to us and ask for the truth and we can help them. But the Apostle Paul tells us the facts of the matter as we come to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 that people all over the place are searching And while it is the truth that many who seek do not want to find the truth of God's word, that those who seek are going to find. And when we think about how it lines up for us, the Apostle Paul makes it clear that there are individuals who are seeking for something. But what is it? There are those who are seeking for fulfillment and meaning and purpose And perhaps they'll find it in Zen, they think, or they'll find it in Jihad, or they'll find it in some meditation. But there are also those who will hear, but they will not accept it. And then there are those that the Apostle Peter tells us that are in an even more tragic position. There are those who hear it and accept it and turn away from it. I believe that all of us find ourselves in one of those three positions As those who have never heard, those who have heard have accepted the call and are living it, or those of us who have let go of it are in the process of doing so. Maybe there is someone who is close to finding Jesus Christ. Perhaps you have been seeking and you realize you're not going to find it anywhere else. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. His invitation is open and the wonderful thing is that even if we've never accepted that invitation before, it's as close as our grasping it and responding to the grace of God in obedient faith. Clint's going to lead us in a song of invitation. If it is your call to answer, if you've not answered that call and you need to come, why not right now as we stand and sing?